I've not talked yeah. to a whole lot of people that have met Groucho Marx. Ronnie Shell is one. You know him from, oh gosh, so many television shows, most prominently Gomer Pyle, but many, many others, including Good Morning World, which I will ask you about. Ronnie Shell, thank you for joining us on WGN. How you doing, Steve? Pleasure to be on here. I'm doing great, and I am just thrilled to talk with you. I almost don't know where to begin, I think, with what we just heard. <laughs> Groucho Marx. Well, uh, we can start with that Groucho Marx interview. That yeah. was September 1959. So tell. Now we're still working a local club in San Francisco. Well, you were you were <laughs> you were working quote the Beatnik beat. They were called Beatniks at the time. I don't know what we would exactly. Yeah, yeah. The Beatnik era. Yeah. So explain what explain how you got on. You bet your life. Uh, what Groucho was like and. What you were talking about, what are the heck are beatniks? <laughs> well, uh, to start off, uh, I was working at the Purple Onion, uh, a very famous nightclub in those days in, in San Francisco in North Beach. And uh, on the bill was the Kingston Trio and Phyllis Diller. And so the producer of uh, this particular show, uh, You Bet Your Life, Asked George Fenneman. You remember George Fenneman? He was the announcer. Yes, on, I uh, do. Voucher. Yep. And he said, uh, "Go up and uh, see if you can get Phyllis to do our show." And he said, "Okay, I'll give it a try." So uh, that was a week off. So he came up to San Francisco, and George was a San Franciscan. He graduated from the same college that I did, so I had a, a little in there. And so he saw her and immediately signed her up for the next. Uh, whenever I can't remember was what. Day it was on, but anyway, and he came to me and he said, by the way, you're very funny. Would you like to be on the show too? And I said, I sure would. So he signed me up and I was on there three, three weeks later. And I got to say, I'd heard a lot about Groucho being grouchy. He treated me like a king. It was was a great association. I got to know him later when he was in the audience, when I did one of my guest shots on the Tonight Show and he was very, very friendly, and uh, so that's that's my history. Well, I want to know. I, I, I want to know more about that, and I'll right. get back to the beatniks in a moment. But you said Groucho yeah. was, in fact, very friendly. What was he like? I'm, 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 I'm told that he had among the. And by the way, friends, uh, if you don't know it, within the showbiz circles, Ronnie Shell, who I'm talking mm-hmm. to right now, is considered a comedian's comedian. You know, and and old school with the cigar and all that kind of thing. So you're someone uh, that comedians of a certain Mm -hmm. age would look to. In fact, Richard Dreyfuss, I believe, used you uh, to help him. Yeah, for the movie The Last Laugh. Mm -hmm. Well, I I ended up before I semi retired three years ago. uh, I ended up working in Las Vegas for fifty years, five zero, and. I would usually open for a big singer like, you know, Tony Bennett or, or uh, Glenn Campbell or somebody like that. And so it was very lucrative because, uh, you know, they always wanted a comic with the singer. And then toward the last, I guess about the last five or six years, they started. Well, I think it was Diana Ross who started it. She said, I don't need us. I don't need a comedian. I want to be 
by myself. And that and that sort of ended uh, comedians opening for uh, big stars. But uh, I, I had a good 50 years working with these guys and girls, and it was it was an education and a moneymaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, darn that Diana Ross. Uh, so I, I want to get back yes. to a couple of things I brought up. First of all, you were the comedy... You don't advi- want to talk about Diana Ross, because... Huh? No, I don't want to. He's talk. one of the two people I worked with that I didn't like. <laughs> That's okay. We don't need to talk about Diana Ross. We won't go into, won't go into it. No, but I do want to talk to you about uh, being the comedy advisor for Richard Dreyfus for the film yes. The Last Laugh. Why did he choose you, and what That's does comedy advice? What What does that mean? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> uh, I was asked uh, during the filming. Whenever he was on stage, uh, reliving some of his, he's supposed to be a comedian who'd retired mm-hmm. about 25 years ago, and he makes a comeback, and uh, he—that's the last laugh. And his manager was played by uh, uh, Jim, uh, what? Chevy Chase. Yeah, he ah. played his manager, mm-hmm. and so uh, I got to know them both pretty well. Well, I had met Dreyfus before. But uh, so anytime you say, what, 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 would this, what, would, would, uh, would, would I do this? And I'd usually say, yeah, you do that. Because I had the experience of working for all those years, and uh, that's how it came about. It was, uh, unfortunate, fortunate or unfortunate, it was not based on beatniks. Uh, beatniks was a, a term that they used when I was starting out. And beatniks were, you know, uh, I don't know what you'd call them today. They were like people on the outside looking down. <laughs> it was one of my descriptions. But they were, you know, uh, very uh, inside, not showbiz type people. Were they later people that became hippies, or is that something else altogether different? Uh, yeah, that, very good, very good. Uh, that was the introduction to hippies. Hippies came after the beatniks. And uh, some of the beatniks uh, went on to be hippies. Some of them uh, uh, went on to be famous, very few, but some of them did come on to be uh, comedians and singers. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, it, was, it was a good experience. Uh, they weren't, beatniks were not uh, troublemakers, you know what I mean? They weren't, uh, and they weren't lazy. They just didn't care for society. <laughs> Well, that's that's a problem. Uh, if you want to get ahead yeah, in life, it was for the, they didn't think it was, but uh, they uh, they flourished. I'm sure, and they probably smoked interesting cigarettes too. <clears throat> oh yes, I forgot to even mention that they smoked the funny little cigarettes. Which is so ironic that cigarettes in those days. Yeah, well, the thing the, uh, the thing is that that's so ironic that. At the time, they had to hide the fact that they were smoking marijuana, but now uh-huh. it's legal just about everywhere. You know, it's not a problem. And you can people smoke uh, cigarettes in in front of you, and they're uh, usually uh, higher in a kite. Some of them, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, I don't, I don't see anything wrong. I don't, I never used it, but but I, I never saw anything. I never saw any. I smoke a joint and then kill somebody. <laughs> but 
But I want to circle back to Groucho Marx. And listeners, by the way, you're yelling at me and I'm paying attention. Why isn't he asking Ronnie about Gomer Pyle and about Jim Neighbors? So I'll get to that in a minute. But let me let me and I want to ask you about Good Morning World, too. I mean, clearly you could take my job because you were a disc jockey. Uh, But I want to ask you. Well, you know. Yes. I had uh, speaking of Chicago, which is one of my favorite cities. I was in Chicago prior to uh, doing Gomer Pyle or any of these Good Morning World, any of these shows. I I opened for. uh, Two very significant acts at the world-famous Palmer House. Are they still having acts there? Uh, they don't have acts there, and I'm not even sure. Is well, the, Pal- was, uh, the Palmer House... Had- and there was dancing, Ben Arden's orchestra, and I worked with um, uh, Lona Luft. Ah, yeah. The uh, other daughter of, uh, of Judy Garland. Right. I worked with a month there. That was my second engagement there. But the, uh, uh, there was another engagement I had with, uh, oh boy, the uh, uh, big heavy trumpet player from New Orleans. Oh, um, Font- Fountain? Fountain? Who? Fountain? Is that his name? No. no well, listeners, listeners will tell us. But let me go back and ask you about yes. Groucho, and then we're going to take a pause, and then we'll be back. Sure. But Groucho Marx, was he funny? I mean, hysterically funny, quick. Was he really uh, that quick? Yes, yes. When I knew him, uh, he was still fast with the one-liners, and uh, he didn't try to impress anybody. If he thought something was funny, he'd just say it. And he, he did a lot of, lot of humor, and he talked a lot about his brothers. He was the youngest, you know, of the, of the Marx brothers. Hmm. And... Uh, I sometimes wondered if he if he missed any of that. I never found out for sure because I never asked him. Hmm. But uh, I later saw him uh, in the audience at, at the Tonight Show when I was doing it, one of my guest shots on it. And he came back and, and gave me great compliments and was very, very uh, supportive. So uh, I have nothing bad to say about him. He, he, he finally... He finally Smoked uh, and smoked. He finally uh, had a real uh, mustache. Yes, I remember that. Is Al Hurt? Is Al Hurt the Al? Play, the trumpet player you're thinking of? Who? Al Hurt. That's right, Al Hurt. Thank whoever said that. Well, we could thank listeners who contacted us. He, so he was, he was delightful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked with him for a month, and I was going down to New Orleans to work with him, and I don't know, something happened. I never did, but it was it was a great uh, thing. I, I, I worked with most of the singers that you know today. The only ones I didn't work with were Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. I think everybody else, but I didn't want to work with Sinatra because I he had a rep, bad, fairly bad reputation. Uh, <laughs> so I've heard. Singer, by but, the way, but, but you know what? He, I am... He, he I, I'm going to get a bad reputation if I don't break for commercials here. So let me do that. Uh, Thank you. And then we will talk, I promise, about Gomer Pyle and Good Morning World and much more with Ronnie Shell on WGN. Ronnie Shell. And, you know, people most of all want to know, Ronnie, about Gomer Pyle. Frank Sutton, of course, was Sergeant Carter. Uh, What? What was that experience like? 
uh, it was it lasted uh, actually seven years. We did five years of the Gomer Pyle show, and at the end of the fourth year, Jim Neighbors uh, decided he didn't want to do Gomer anymore. He wanted to sing. So CBS, which sponsored our show, uh, asked him to do, how about a variety show? And he said, great, I'll bring Ronnie with me and Frank Sutton. And he did. And for two years, we did the, the uh, Jim Neighbors Hour, which was always number one in the variety uh, section of, uh, of types type of shows. Uh-huh. And uh, I, uh, I that was another great experience because I got to play a lot of different characters other than you know my part of Duke on the Glover Pilot Show. And then we we came across but pro- you're always going to have problems in show business. I always tell that to anybody that's going to will I make it? Do I have a chance? I said, well, it's up to fate. Uh, we were riding high with uh, the Jim Aber show in 19, let's see, 1969 and 70. We were number one. We even beat Carol Burnett. And uh, the new uh, vice president came in, Freddie Silverman. And he decided that all our shows, uh, Andy Griffith, Mayberry RFT, Petticoat Junction, and a couple of other ones, and Jim Neighbors Hour were hits, and he canceled us, and we were number one in the in the ratings, not number one, but you know the top variety show, and uh, so that was a classic blow. So we had to just leave and do our own thing from then on out. Well, and you sure have. A Good Morning World, you played me. You played a disc jockey. I'm not really a disc jockey. I have been in my life. Your co-star. I Larry Clark. I'm sorry? A, a radio personality. And I, I co-starred with a guy named um, uh, Joby Baker, uh-huh. who was an, uh, an artist, also a painter. And, um, in fact, he did my bathroom a couple of times. Ah, just kidding. <laughs> I can throw a little humor in every once in a while. That's, and that's, so he, that's good. Uh, we both played disc jockeys, and uh, if you watch the show in the reruns, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we did our own uh, uh, putting in the needle in the, the records and everything like that, which was really wrong. By that time, they had engineers to do that, but... Uh, Nonetheless, we were pretty lucky the first year. We were on a year and a half on CBS. The problem was, and there's always problems in everybody's career, my problem with doing Good Morning World was that we were opposite, we were CBS, and we were opposite Tuesday night at the movies when NBC had just started first-run motion pictures on Tuesday night. So that's what we were opposite. So I visioned every Tuesday night people in America look at their TV log and said, well, who should we watch tonight? Ronnie Schell or Cary Grant? So we, we lost out. We were about 40th in the, in the, in the, in the whole bunch of shows. Right. Uh, Gold, Goldie, Goldie Hawn was actually the co-star of that. Did you have any inkling that she would become the star she is? Uh, let me tell you a true story about Goldie. 
she was a go-go dancer out of Baltimore, Maryland, and she got hired to do an Andy Griffith special as a chorus in the chorus line. And somebody said, hey, you know, she's got a really good personality. Why don't we make her Ronnie Shell's girlfriend? And, uh, and so they hired her to do the first 15 or 20 shows. And uh, right from the start, Goldie was independent and thought that she shouldn't rehearse too much because she, it would, it would, she'd get stale. So about the third week of rehearsal, we used to rehearse in my apartment. I wasn't married then. Yeah, you do the math, okay? Anyway, <laughs> I said... What are you uh, saying? Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm just joshing. I'm just shy. i got to throw in a little humor every once in a while. Indeed. You don't mind, do you, Steve? Not at all. Because <laughs> I, I don't want, what's his name, coming and beat me up. I don't know who that... Oh, Sergeant Carter? Huh? No, 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 no. Uh, The guy she's been with for 35, 40 years. Oh, Kurt Russell. Great guy. Great guy. And the first motion picture I ever did, he was the... uh, It was his starring role called The Strongest Man in the World. It was a Disney movie, and I played the referee. had a great part. And... uh, I'm I'm told that you still do a Sergeant Carter imitation. Well, not very well. I'm not a real impressionist, but I wanted to get this other thing across that I said to Goldie after about three weeks of of, uh, rehearsals, and I said, Goldie, what's this you tell me about you're going to get stale? She said, it is true. I get stale after about I said, Goldie, listen to me. I've been in the business four years. You're not going to make it. I'm going to tell you this right now. I told her, I was be honest with it. You're not going to make it because you don't like to rehearse. Next year, she won the Academy Award for Cactus Flower, and I found out while wearing some, we're working some toilet in Omaha, Nebraska. And that's a true story. <laughs> I love. And she never that. let me forget it. I love that she story, Frank. You're on WGN. You. Frank, you are talking to Ronnie Shell. We have less than two minutes. Hello. Uh, my question is: How different was working? Uh, the character of Lester Starr going down to Georgia compared to Hollywood working on Gomer Powell. And by the way, I'm like, just throwing this in, I'm 20 miles away from where the uh, Glenn Campbell grew up in the... Oh, yeah. In Billstown. Arkansas, right? Correct. Bill from Prescott, but he was buried in Billstown. I loved him. What was the question? Uh, What was the other character? You played a character called Lester Starr on Dukes of Hazard, And my question is, how different was working the Dukes of Hazard set? I presume you worked oh, it in Georgia compared to working in Hollywood, say, Gomer Powell. It was, it, uh, it was easy because, you know, as a nightclub comedian, I was all over the world working and, and, and uh, through intervening years. So it was nothing for me to be on the road for eight to nine weeks. We did uh, uh, Dukes of Hazard. I think it was the second episode of Dukes of Hazard. And uh, the guy who played uh, uh, Colonel or something like that, little short guy, uh, I can't remember his name, but we became fast friends. And so I had a good 10 or 12 days there working with these, these two guys, uh, and of course, Wopat, Wopat, and uh, 
was the other guy's name? Oh huh? gosh, the Dukes of Hazzard. Schneider. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I, I remain pretty good friends with Schneider. Every time I see him now, we're we're you know we 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 say hello and all that kind of stuff. Can you still do I, Ronnie? Old, old can, I never got there, no. huh? can you still do the Jason boys from Battle of the Planets? Well, my Jason voice was Ronnie Shell with an octave higher. In other words, I say, "Well, I think we're going to be in trouble if we don't do this now." Well, you know what? We're we're going to be in trouble if we don't go to news. So I'm going to do that now. Ronnie Shell, thank you so much. What a pleasure it is to have you on WGN Radio.